to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker. Here with the full group tonight, you're listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS or wherever you get your podcasts, and we thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with Phil Grooms, Santiago Beltran, Stuart Holkren. We've got everyone tonight, and we have a hugely fun show for you. We've got a whole lot of news to dive into that has occurred this week with St. Louis City. The club is really ramping it up in, in advance of the playoffs. And then we have a nice, big, oversized preview of Sporting Kansas City. We've played them three times. We've won the best of three regular season series. And now everything changes. Things shift into the playoffs where everything starts to get a little bit different. But before we dive into all that, Phil, how's it going? Good. Busy. It sounds like a lot of us are busy right now juggling for us. I mean, I'm so sorry if you are a a single human being and you don't have kids, but I'm about to just uh, lay it all on you doing Halloween activities with kids. It's playoff stuff like all these as we're going to get to St. Louis City events going on, like trying to get to everything. Uh, personal free time uh, where I just get to sit and think about nothing, which is one of my favorite things to do. It's been hard to get lately, but I'm glad to be talking to you guys tonight. It's it, That qualifies sort of as, as personal time for sure. Well, it's a, it's a part of the year where we're all used to having a little more personal time, a little less soccer time probably, yeah. but I don't think anybody's uh, upset about where we are now and what we get to talk about. No complaints. Santi, <laughs> how about you? How's it going? Oh, doing great. It's been also... Uh... Busy week, but uh, glad it's almost over and excited about us talking soccer towards the end of October. That's something new, our first playoffs episode, so I'm excited about that. Fantastic. And you're one of the you've had your own exciting week, which we're going to get into in a minute. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about where you've been this evening as we record on a Thursday. But before we get into that, Stu, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going well. I'm uh, excited to uh, talk to you guys about all the news going on. And also, I'm, I don't know if we'll get into this later or not, but we are going to have a very short off season, And I'm excited about that, too. So we, we like you said, Matt, uh, we're used to not having games, but hopefully we'll have a couple more months of games. Yeah. And with news this week, one of the things that we'll get to probably in our wind down for those podcast listeners is information on CONCACAF Champions Cup, which we found out the draw will be after MLS Cup final, after some of the other uh, federations finish up their cups and everything gets tied in a bow. But that's going to make just for basically a month break. So it's it's going to be next to nothing, right, Stu? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think well, you'll talk about the dates, but uh, early February. So mark your calendars. It's going to be exciting. Before we look ahead too far, City has been up to some extraordinary things this week. We have a whole lot of news that's really dropped. Not a whole lot on the player front. Uh, we do have a little bit of a nugget here coming on health and fitness of the players that we'll get to, but we just have a whole lot of news to kind of get in front of you make sure you're all caught up on everything going on with city with soccer in st louis before doing our sporting kansas city preview so sit back relax and let's look at what city was up to this week we start with the fact that we now know who our opponent is going to be end of the day the most important thing is that sporting kansas sporting kansas city rather defeated the san jose earthquake nil nil after a 4-2 pk win and a pretty good performance by tim melia We'll touch on this game later, but the most recent thing is Sporting KC moved on. We now know we're going to play them. We have the first round playoff schedule in front of us, October 29th at 9 p.m. at City Park. November 5th at 4 p.m. will be played at Children's Mercy Park. And if necessary, a game three in the first round, November 11th at 5 p.m. at City Park. 
So mark those dates if you haven't already, and we'll be looking forward to them. On that note, we here at Flyover Footy are very blessed, honestly, to have the community and the, the podcast listeners that we do. And one of those listeners has worked with us to offer another ticket giveaway. We did this recently for the Seattle Sounders Decision Day game. It was a huge success. We had a lot of engagement. We were excited to, to talk with people. But we'll have more information on that during our wind-down portion of our podcast. So if you're listening to this on the Big 550 KTRS, go to Apple, go to Spotify, download our podcast, tune in. We'll have details on an opportunity to win two tickets to City Park West to see City's second first-round playoff match at Children's, per- Children's Mercy Park. But this is for the November 5th game that we'll have two tickets for to give away in our wind-down portion of our pod. Stay tuned for that. More news that happened this week. Let's just hit it to find out what all we did because you want to be caught up as you head into Sporting KC. Last Sunday, the team kicked it all off with their prep rally, as Coach Carnell called it, where there was a stage at the Lou Fuse Plaza. Carolyn Kindle spoke alongside the full ownership group before Lutz, Bradley, and Roman and Tim Parker all spoke with the team in full attendance they stayed, they signed autographs, they took pictures. It was really the proper kickoff to the entire thing. They debuted a new hashtag, paint the city red. That began with city encouraging the use of that across their socials, but also including information that if you use that on socials, whether it's X, Facebook, Instagram, or anything, one person will be selected for playoff tickets to this Sunday's first match. So whether you're listening to this on the Big 550 KTRS or on Friday when we release it on our pod, Go crazy, have some fun painting St. Louis City red, use the hashtag, and maybe win some tickets. On that note, new merch was released, so if you haven't seen City Socials, they've they've announced yard signs, banners, a scarf, shirts, plenty more to, to dress up for MLS Cup playoffs. A pet-friendly watch party was announced for the Lou Fuse Plaza during Sunday night's game. This is probably one of the most exciting things, because if you've ever been down there for game day, you know how electric it is before the game. That vibe looks to, to continue on throughout the game as food, drinks, and more is going to be available for pets, our four-legged friends, and for City fans alike. That's going to be exciting to see what that looks like on game day. The, the other thing you'll probably notice on game day and before are that banners are starting to go up around City Park, just like we've seen for the Cardinals, for the Blues. We have banners on street poles, on lights. Downtown West is truly turning into the district that is controlled by City, and that's exciting to see. <laughs> Throughout this week, Wednesday's training, where the club returned to their training during the normal week, featured the appearance of each one of St. Louis City's supporter groups. This was an awesome gesture by the club to work with the members of the supporter groups. They were there to cheer on the club. They had the drums. There was Super Santos dancing. It was a a feast of visual acuity to look at. And it was exciting to have for the players. You could tell that the players were excited to do that. And Santi, I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion on how that went here in a little bit, and Stu, because you were there as well. But the last few things happening this week were we saw some some wrap-up to the Saves for Savings program. Roman Berkey, Together Credit Union, they were on hand with city staff, partnering to, to give the money that they had raised all season long. Roman Berkey had 127 saves, so they presented $300 to 127 local students, totaling $38,100. After that, City announced their City Out, City Red Out at City Park. For all those in attendance, make sure you have that app downloaded. That app is going to be your key and your gateway to be part of the pregame experience where there looks to be some kind of integration between the lights out that always happens before every single game and whatever you're going to have available on the City app. Very exciting. This Sunday as well, more game day festivities as the City Block Party will kick off at 530, featuring Chris Bandy and more guests. 
A new city app badge has been released this week. The club just doesn't stop. Top fan, they called it a 1% of all engagement, is now available in the city app with, I believe, it continuing to roll out. And then Santi, this is where I need you to step in because a new mini pitch has been unveiled at Fairmont City in Illinois. You were there. How was it? Yeah, yeah, I was there. It was my debut as MC. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Um, we did kind of mix it up, uh, Spanish and English with Hector Vega uh, to uh, celebrate uh, the mini pitch, also celebrate City going into the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the 11 mini pitches that was announced a um, couple of months ago by uh, City and U.S. Soccer Federation. And, um, and yeah, it's fully completed. and. Uh, Today was like the official inauguration of it, but uh, it was completed a few weeks ago and uh, hearing from different people that uh, like every night uh, they just turn on the lights and uh, like 50 kids uh, or, or like 50 or so kids uh, play soccer. It's it's amazing. They, they have a really good community there. So um, yeah, I was there and um, Josh Jarrow was there, Kyle Hebert, Celio, so each of them uh, had a few uh, remarks. Uh, um, Barbara Silva, director of community relations, was there. The mayor of Fairmont City, but uh, but yeah, the the mini pitch is located at Granby Park, and uh, they also have uh, besides the mini pitch, they also have uh, some um, some other soccer fields there. So uh, you can see like some kids playing on the uh, mini pitch and then some more is playing outside on the other courts and uh, they have uh, they have one of the way to play uh, groups there and um, I was talking to to Sasha Bauer and he was saying yeah it's, it's been one of the most successful and we have a wait list he actually said that for every one of those they have a wait list um, but uh, they're they're excited it's exciting to see all the things uh, the team continues doing to get the community engaged. So yeah, it was a good event. Uh, also um, kind of got um, people a little ex like excitement about the playoffs and um, like like everybody around the city is all in in the playoffs. So um, that was exciting to see. It was an exciting event. Everybody was all for city, you could say? Yes, sir. <laughs> Oh, Stu, I want to hear about Wednesday's training. So you were there with Santi. Santi's at most trainings, to be fair. So I'm more interested in what your experience was and how that went. Oh, it was a lot of fun. So the club uh, gave some invitations to the supporters groups, uh, the Punks, uh, Santos, uh, Luligans, Florida Noise, Nonap uh, Ultras, all had a few representatives there. Um, honestly, the most fun outside of seeing a bunch of uh, city staff members I haven't in a while and talking to them, uh, was seeing Super Santos. He was having a whole lot of fun. Um, but they let us bring in drums, flags, uh, and the we got to see the birthday celebration that the club does for all the players uh, as AZ got to see, got to run the gauntlet in front of a bunch of fans and i'm sure he was he was very happy to do that not at all embarrassed mm -hmm. 22 years old az turned which mm -hmm. seems i don't i don't know if that seems old or young it just kind of seems and knowing that az is still one of those 22 under 22 
that's uh, just I mean, that's that's the kind of camaraderie thing you see. And I'm, I'm excited. The fact that going to the playoffs, that was something that the club did uh, part of not just the community engagement, but engaging the fan base, the supporters and really creating that that familial environment and, and atmosphere. So that was fantastic. The last real bit of news, guys, is the MLS end of year awards finalists were announced. Now, this garnered a whole lot of conversation when it was released on Thursday. We're going to go more into it during the wind down, but let's focus on the city names that are a part of it. Phil, when I say these names that kind of wrapped up who we had available at all these different spots, tell me who you think is the most likely for city to have award given out between Bradley Carnell, a finalist for coach of the year, Roman Berkey, a finalist for goalkeeper of the year. Edward Leuven, a finalist for Newcomer of the Year, and Tim Parker, a finalist for Defender of the Year. Um, I think Berkey's going to be the most popular vote, even from people outside of City. And uh, I would just say that Carnell's maybe a close second. I think, Matt, you had the most uh, um, convincing argument, I think, for his voting. And I know like, we're getting into a lot of semantics with how a lot of these votes should or should not be tallied as far as uh, league-wide pundits uh, declaring different things. And I th- it was kind of fun to see you and um, Manuel, they put out um, a little bit of an argument for Carnell. And I, I think it's it's legit, and I think he has... If he's not first, he's going to be second. I, I, I can at least say that I'm sure of that. I did try to make an argument also today for Edu Leuven indirectly for Newcomer of the Year. Um, we'll get into that a little more in the wind down, but it is an interesting look when you look at Newcomer of the Year. There's some, some details that rubbed fans the wrong way today, and we'll leave it at that. But you're listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS, and believe it or not, we actually do have some player news, and it's good news. As of Thursday, everyone's back at training, including Caden Glover. Santi, did you see anything at training? You've been there a couple days. Uh, did you see anything noteworthy or that, that might stand out? Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, not today. I, I couldn't pay much attention to training. Uh, the first portion of it, I was recording uh, some content in Spanish for the club. Uh, we were recording La, La Previa CD that will uh, be released mm-hmm. on Saturday. So I missed part of that. And uh, then as part of uh, preparation for, for this afternoon event, uh, we had a conference call uh, with, with some folks from City. So I didn't pay much attention today. And uh, also had some stuff going on at work. So uh, I was there, but kind of, I wasn't there. Uh, I talked to uh, Indiana Vasilev at the end of training because um, I, I had already um, asked uh, to interview him. Um, and he, uh, just back to the event uh, from yesterday with the fans and even the, the rally on, on Sunday, he said, yeah, that, that is great. Uh, that they're very grateful with the fans and uh, that is great to, to have them uh, at the practice or even at the rally. and. And just um, the players and the coaches are so grateful with the support this year. If you don't mind, I wanted to just say about Caden uh, Glover, too, that, you know, he did get MLS minutes. And there are, I think, zero U-17 national team players in this World Cup so far that have MLS minutes in the senior MLS uh, league. Yes, and someone was complaining about that, about a DC United player as well. And it just occurred to me that, you know, um, I was just thinking like Caden Glover could have gotten more minutes this year. Just something to kind of think about. Maybe we can touch on that at the end. But um, I love that he's back in training this week. Um, I meant that in mostly a positive way. It's so cool to see him with the uh, senior team. Maybe he gets some playoff minutes. That'd be cool. Mm. 
Let's hope. I'd love it. All right, Phil, you ready to jump into our preview of Sporting Kansas City? Did we cover all the news? I feel like like we just didn't stop about the news, even though there, there eventually has to reach a point where we pivot to Sporting Kansas City. Do you guys feel like we covered it all? Well, I do want to touch on, it's in your notes here, I don't think we touched on Rasmus Allman. I know we got like a listener question about that, about whether we think yes. he'll play. I, we may not want to go fully into it, but I'd like to hear what you guys found out about him. Yeah, it's it's nothing new. And this is just more of a reminder of, of Rasmus Alm still dealing with the abdominal groin issue, uh, but he's available. He's not listed on the injury report, which to me tells me that it, it's he's available as healthy as he's going to be. It's not a question of can he go? It's just do we want to use him as as much as we can or do we have other options that might be able to take the load off of him? And then this is where I see Rasmus is probably not going to be an option for starting. I would look to him more as not quite an emergency alternative, but I don't see him playing uh, a hefty workload. I don't see him uh, really being in the mix in the same way as you look to like Indy or Stroud, one one in, one out type of a deal. Um, and, and to be honest, that's probably best for him. They've said multiple times this is an injury that it just is going to take prolonged rest mm-hmm. that he's going to need in the offseason. And so that's kind of just where we are with Rasmus. Is it Matt, is it just rest or does he need surgery or maybe we don't know? They I, I've asked. I haven't asked in a week or so, but there has not been any indication directly about the need for surgery. All right. Well, we'll see, I think, in this offseason uh, what happens there. I hope for a better year for him. I feel bad that it, it's been a little bit full of injury for him, but, um, you know, maybe he gets some time and feels good about it in the playoffs. But, Matt, we're uh, looking pretty good. We're not terribly behind here. There's plenty of time. Yes, we've played KC a million times, but that also means who are, who are more, those guys? there's more data. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, The so the thing about SKC that led into this week is the conversation on, on X and on Facebook and in person is Sporting KC versus San Jose. We had a poll on, on Flyover that skewed towards uh, Sporting. Santi had a poll that he put out that I believe skewed towards the Quakes. Yeah. People were making arguments both ways. My argument was pretty simple that I I don't necessarily like the concept of playing a team five or six times in a given season when you have the same personnel available to you. You have the same head coaches, the same staff. You get to know each other so well that that just adds a little bit of chaos, a little bit of unknown to the fact that we have dominated SKC at home. Not saying you can't dominate them twice more, but that's four times at home in a given season. That's borderline absurd and unheard of in MLS for a given season. And Stuart, I know you commented on it this week, actually, so I thought I'd give you a chance to talk about that. That, you know, who would you have preferred in that situation? I would have preferred San Jose, to be honest. Um, I, sporting Kansas, they're fun to play against, fun to beat, very, very, very fun to beat. (laughs) However, since May 1st, they're the club in MLS that have... Oh, I don't say that. (laughs) With 12... They have the highest points per game with 1.71 points per game. They have the most goals scored with 45 goals, and they're tied for the fewest losses. So they are the hot team to play. Um, but as someone famously said, uh, scared money, don't make money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benny. There you go. Benny oh, man, that's a mic drop right there, Stu. <laughs> Thanks, I hope everybody knows about that quote, too, because that quote comes from the MLS Next Pro uh, playoff drawing where you got to pick your own opponent. Lutz was on the call. Benny was on the call. And Benny 
famously now or infamously said scared money don't make money he proceeded to pass over st louis for austin and lost to austin yeah and austin was a higher seed so that's mm-hmm. kind of where that quote <laughs> it's great money. so but good. i mean you said you said Sporting KC is one of the hottest teams, if not the, over the course of the past few months since their dreadful start to the year that had a lot of people calling for Peter Vermees' job. But yet, in their matchup against San Jose, they couldn't score a goal. As much as they were given possession, as much as they had opportunity after opportunity, and they seemed like they just never let go of the ball, San Jose kept them scoreless and took it to PKs, which we knew that was from San Jose, right? That was the... That was the downside to potentially facing San Jose is their string of draws. You take them to PKs and anything could happen with them in PKs. To me, I'm more uh, optimistic about the fact that Sporting was held scoreless. Like they, yes. their, their run of good form hit a big roadblock exactly when you don't want uh, a roadblock or speed bump to be hit. And, you know, it is just, you know, I've, I've been talking to, I have extended family in Kansas City and their frustrations with Kansas City hasn't changed. Yes, they're being more successful, but you know, it's it's that possession soccer and they pass it around, pass it around and they lose the ball quite a bit. They got to wait for that perfect pass and then they got to finish it. And just like every Kansas City fan is so frustrated with all this time controlling the ball and then not getting that finish even when they finally get the ball in the right position. 18 shots. I'm sure you're going to mention this, Matt, but 18 shots. Um, and only, what, five on goal. And um, that game was so frustrating to watch. Four on goal. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. No, it was a frustrating, worse. yeah, it's a frustrating game to watch. It's As a City fan, it makes me so happy that we have such high-energy games because just watching both of these possession teams pass the ball around all game and no score, boy, it was it was hard for me to watch. Here's the thing that I'm, I'm curious if you guys agree. With Sporting KC, their ability to finish, like you said, Phil, their ability to finish is is pretty poor um, when they don't have more or less easy openings. And I, I hearken back to what happened in the second game we played where they had a couple easy openings. They had multiple where they were able to spread our defense in transition. They, were, they used their possession after transitioning the ball into the attacking third, and they kept the ball passing and moving around the field to the point where they were just opening up space because they were stretching St. Louis so wide. And when they were doing that, that's kind of their M.O. They possess the ball, but then they move the ball really well across the field. They stretch you out. They create spaces in the channels. And they've been doing this all season. Like that's that's one of the ways in which they've been able to be so successful because they do have really high level individual players. Daniel Shallowy, Alan Polito, Johnny Russell, Gotti Kinda, Eric Tommy. Those five players are the linchpins of their team. And they have been when healthy all season long. I believe it was Alan Polito who was hurt at the beginning of the season, if memory call, recalls. Yep. And that's when they had their awful start. You know, their, their 10, 11 games where they didn't have a win was without Polito. He comes back and suddenly he's spearheading that line, but not just necessarily spearheading it in a traditional number nine. He's able to hold back if the ball is being played out to the wings or in the channels and they find him. So keep an eye on a guy like Alan Polito, their number nine, for where he is on the field because he finds little pockets of space and they're often able to find him. He's he's the player, obviously, that worries me of those five dangerous players. I thought he had a terrible game, and I think he spent. Nobody all... had a great game for them against San Jose. Well, I mean, Russell, I think, still looked very, very good. He did hit a post, I think, at some point. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but I thought Polito. 
I think what I think is good. Now I know he does those deep runs that are really dangerous, but he spent so much time coming back and collecting the ball and trying to play as a hold up striker and. Boy, I think that's a really good place to keep him, if possible. I thought, um, boy, they've either they've planned that out or they're just not having a great game of possession where he's able to get in the box. I don't know how many times they were passing the ball and they would look to the box for him, someone to put it away mm-hmm. and there was no one there. I couldn't yep. believe it because you'd think someone like Polito would be there every time. But I don't know. Just a weird one for me. Yeah, and, and I... I struggle with looking at the game against San Jose and being able to take too much away from it coming into St. Louis because the style of St. Louis and San Jose is so vastly different. The things that Sporting Casey were being offered and, and the way that they were attacking San Jose is not what they're going to be offered against St. Louis. It's not what it's not how St. Louis is going to be looking defensively and transition in the attack. Like none of it really matches up well. And so I more I more take away the fact that they just weren't successful in their finishing attempts, they had 0.7 expected goals of those 18 shots. That's abysmal, and it's worse than they've ever played against St. Louis. So just having that lack of efficiency for their strikers and their wingers, it's it's being in poor, poorer form than they would otherwise be in because we've heard from our strikers that when you get in, in proper form, you that you just ride that hot streak. It's like NBA Jam when you're on fire. And that's what I am glad that they're not able to take into this because the way that they've showed against St. Louis, other than the high possession, is, is pretty different. Um, there's a consistency that I see, guys, in how Sporting KC played St. Louis this year versus uh, when they win versus when they lose. Mm. So the one win that Sporting had against St. Louis in Kansas, um, they held St. Louis to a pretty abysmal attacking performance compared to really most other games that St. Louis has had. The two wins that St. Louis has had back in May and then later in September, there was a marked difference in expected goals, in number of shots, even though possession has always skewed us less than 50. So my key really to this is going to be St. Louis has to be more efficient in getting the ball into the attacking third. That middle game where we lost, we only had eight shots. Not eight shots on goal, eight shots two two shots on goal Mm. and that was the game where our starting lineup was a little bit different we didn't have klaus we didn't have leuven and we didn't have az we tried to make that line change in the second half which was a little effective but there's a lot of these trends that i see i'm curious if you guys see some similar trends but there's a lot of these that go from a large volume of shots in our wins we've had 15 shots six on goal to 21 shots eight on goal on the st louis side compared to that eight and two number. So it's it's vastly different the number of opportunities we have, even if our expected goals have never matched our overall goal output. In the first game this year, back in May, where we won four to nothing, our expected goals was only 1.5. We didn't have necessarily the greatest number of shots or the greatest opportunities for shots, but we had the number. We had the volume that put sporting on their toes or on, on their heels and prevented them from really you know, preventing us from moving forward in the attack. In that second game that we won, September 30th, our expected goals was 2.8 with that 21 shots and eight shots on goal. And we scored four again, four to one, we won that game. So we don't necessarily need the most high percentage shots cumulatively, we just need the most shots. And I feel like if we are getting into the type of rhythm that creates those shot opportunities, it's, it's going to fall based on the, the way that our strikers can find ways to score goals. 
talking about Sam and his ability to just take 1v1s into the attacking third, talking about Klaus holding up play and having a potentially low percentage shot, but our players are so highly skilled that they've been able to perform at that level for the entire season. Stuart, I'm curious. Well, I'd like to hear from both you guys, Santiago, Stuart, but let's start with you, Stu. What, anything of you're hearing here speaking to you, so anything you're worried about sporting Kansas City or even some of the confidence you might have in City? Well, one thing I'm worried about that I just noticed a second ago uh, is that Ted Uncle is the referee for this match. Yes. And uh, Ted Uncle is, um, should we say, I mean, he he's the most infamous MLS ref for those who don't know. So um, I was more curious if we were going to get a ref who would maybe crack down on Johnny Russell's uh, tackling because he likes to tackle hard i don't know if we'll see that with uncle it's always always interesting with him but he might make the match about him which is a concern i now have i think he did the sporting kc game the last one didn't he that's what i'm trying to no that was armando villarreal oh so sorry i mean the earthquakes playoff game yeah, he did. <laughs> I thought he did a great job, luckily, but I could tell there were multiple instances where he was trying to kind of be the star of the game. <laughs> it was really funny to watch. I think you're dead on there, Stu, and something to watch for, for sure. Yeah, for baseball fans, he'd be like equivalent to maybe Joe West as umpire. Exactly. Luckily, not as bad, but he's, he's, I think he's, he's up there for trying to be. Santiago, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I was thinking about the differences between the two home games and the away game. And um, I had kind of forgotten that at the, that away game, we use somehow of a rotated lineup. When when Matt mentioned that, that Lubin didn't play, I was like, oh, wait. That was one game that, that we have uh, some rotation. So That was one of the three matches in eight days. Yeah, it, and I think that was the result of it. And I remember some people being like uh, very disappointed about mm-hmm. not playing the A lineup against uh, Sporting Kansas, like that being uh, the Derby, the Classico, whatever you want to call it. And people were upset, but uh, to me, it was a good decision. Um, almost, it almost didn't work uh, because FC Dallas held for. 80 minutes on Wednesday <laughs> night before that game yeah. uh, with the A lineup, but in the end, uh, the team was able to um, score a couple of goals and and get the points. Uh, I think at that point, um, like with uh, less than 10 games in the season, I think uh, it was a good decision and the team was trying to manage workloads and uh, kind of manage games uh, based on the opponent and uh, whatever they thought uh, they could get in terms of points. So I I wouldn't make much of that game. And yeah, we didn't have a lot of shots, but uh, the team competed. And um, there were some uh, controversial decisions uh, in that game. And in the end, um, Sporting, K- Sporting won the game. They, they got the game, uh, but then they came back to City Park. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to see now uh with everybody healthy how uh st louis can go toe to toe uh with a sporting at kansas next week um but yeah definitely 
um, it's going to be a very competitive game. Uh, I think, uh, and if you look at the two home games, uh, two different games, like uh, in the first one, City score uh, relatively early and um, dominated. The second one, I think uh, a lot of people look at the scoreline and kind of forget that it was a really close game and that Broman Berkey came up big a couple of times when the game was still nil-nil. Uh, and yeah, in the end, uh, City scored four goals in 12 minutes, but that was towards the end. So if, if you ask me what do you expect on Sunday, it's probably going to be something similar to what we saw on September 30th because um, Kansas, uh, they, they're coming in great form. As Stu mentioned, that they have been uh, the best team since May. Even themselves, they, they put a post on social media to, to remind people that they were the best team in the league since May. I even look at more recent form. I look at um, teams' uh, form after the League's Cup break. Mm -hmm. And Sporting um, got 18 points in nine games because they played more games before uh, Leeds Cup. In terms of points per game, they are uh, the second best team in the league after um, Orlando. Mm -hmm. um, in the Western Conference, they are the best team. And um, yeah, they definitely picked up the form in May. Uh, I think a lot of it... As Matt had said, I had to do with Alan Pulido being out at the beginning of the season. So it's a new tournament. Uh, I, I don't think the three games that were already played uh, like matter much at this point. It's, it's a new game. The teams know each other so well. Um, actually, ask uh, Indy this morning when we talk about like how difficult it is to play a team so many times and he mentioned well you're so familiar with each other like there is uh, really nothing new so it's more about a style uh, um, imposing on the other team's style so we'll see uh, who um, has a better style on this in this series and on that note I mean we we know what our style is we know what their style is and it's kind of presented itself in each one of these three our possession has been below 50 percent theirs has been above 50 percent for all three of the matches win win or loss and we know that st louis is the most direct team has the second fewest passes per sequence in some of these stats that we like to follow so they don't pass the ball in build-up fashion a whole lot but kansas city is on the exact opposite end they're near a seattle and columbus in these kind of categories with the eighth slowest in direct speed in the entire league the second most passes per sequence and what I what I found interesting is is tracking SKC's uh, standings in these rankings compared to where we played them on September 30th. So how did they move up or down in some of these standings on these advanced stats? And when you look at uh, the most passes per sequence, Sporting Kansas City has actually gone up significantly from the last time these two teams have played on the 30th, uh, from fifth to second. That's a pretty sizable jump. They jumped three teams in the, the most passes per sequence. And that tells you just how much they move the ball around. In overall sequence time, how long you possess the ball, St. Louis is the second quickest to move the ball up, while Sporting KC is the third slowest. 
that's exactly where they were last month. So they haven't gotten quicker. They've just stayed the course on where they were as far as how long it takes them to move the ball up. St. Louis, we know, is still significantly the lowest in the league in 10-plus passing offensive sequences with those buildups, like I said. Sporting Kansas City has the second most 10-plus passing sequences. This is up from third since the last time these have played, so they've only moved the ball around more the more they're allowed to in each possession. This is why SKC is going to look to wear their opponents down, especially those who like to press quickly when they move the ball around the field. So it's going to be up to St. Louis to be clinical in their push points. We've talked about this before, and they've been successful at City Park in doing this, and that's preventing SKC from having successful passes, at least stringing them up on their wings, when St. Louis is able to disrupt these kinds of uh, styles. And the transition offense is a lot more methodical on SKC's side, where they will wait to get a lot of those numbers high, but once they do, once they actually get numbers high, they're going to work the ball in from these wide angles. And this is what I said at the beginning of this conversation. They love to spread defenses thin. Once they do, they'll pounce when they find open space. The specific emphasis being on the central players hanging back to find space, like Alan Pulido and Eric Tommy have had success in against St. Louis when they were playing in Kansas. With Sporting controlling over 50% of the possession through their entire defensive half, this is going to be incumbent like you said Santi when you look at which style is going to win out because the styles they they mesh well in the sense of SKC likes to do one thing and St. Louis tries to do the exact opposite they almost allow you to possess the ball until they can strike when sporting controls over 50% of this possession in their defensive half they move the ball up wherever they want and in successful games for them their passing network is significant it is flat on the on the high line and so this allows them to move the ball up very methodically, getting these numbers up, and oftentimes plays through the wings. It's the only the only areas of the field that they don't control more than 50% possession is between the channels in the opposition half. For St. Louis, it's the exact opposite. So it's almost like when you look at who wants to control the ball where, both teams are going to be happy to let each other control it in certain zones. Mm -hmm. But if Sporting is allowed to do what they did against San Jose, but also against St. Louis in the second meeting, then they're going to be successful in finding this space in the penalty box with their players spreading us wide. Good stuff, Matt. I appreciate you bringing all that to bear. Chris, quickly, Chris, Chris Gebhardt in the chat mentioned that it was Chapman refereeing the game. I yeah. was referring to not Ted Uncle, so thank you, Chris. And he also said, um, do you guys think that compacted schedule will affect SKC? He talks about they'll be trying to play very, very slow. Agree. Mm -hmm. Very much very agree. Much agree. And very so I'm, agree. I could even see them diving a lot, wasting a lot of time. And I've heard Carnell say things like, we don't like diving. We don't like penalties because it cuts our momentum. And so look for St. Louis to really push them on the pace as much as possible. And we can assist them as fans um, with our boos and our cheers. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the, on the lineup <laughs> factor, so looking at the fact, I mean, that's something we haven't even talked about yet, is the fact that SKC has such little rest while St. Louis has a full week. That's an extra boon towards St. Louis. And Sporting Kansas City ran out their A lineup against San Jose. They went for it. They so a had lot of them, to. Yeah, they had to. And this is a it's a do or die, whereas the next three games aren't quite as do or die. So you do wonder, because if you lose here, you get to go right back to KC with a chance to win that and even the series. Do you see a little bit of a rotated lineup or more early subs from SKC? That's going to be something to watch for, too. Absolutely. Well, let's quickly do our lineup, guys. We don't have that much time. Matt, let's start with you for sure and give your score, guess, at the end as well. Yeah, my lineup is basically what we ran out against uh, SKC on September 30th. I'm probably right there with Santi. And I feel this is a good representation of how our lineup has been its strongest most recently. 
So the only wrinkle to this is how have guys looked in training? Have some of these internal battles changed it? I got Berkey and Nett, Anthony Markanik, Joachim Nilsson, Tim Parker, Jake Nerwinski as our back line, Edu Leuven, Jabulu Blom in central midfield, AZ Jackson, Indiana Vasilev as more of our wide or double tens, and then Sam Adeneron and Klaus up top. My score prediction is 4-1. Sorry about that. Nice, 4-1. Santiago, what do you think? I have the same exact lineup as Matt. And my my score prediction, I never go crazy, but I will this time, 3-0. Love it. Clean sheet. What do you think, Stu? Yeah, I also have the same lineup. Uh, I can't look at that match last time and not want to repeat the result. Uh, I'm going to go 3-2 City. Love it. I will go three, the same two. as Matt. I wouldn't mind a 4-4-2, four, four, a Deneron maybe for AZ. I'd be fine with that. Nothing cute with the formation, though, guys. No more 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. No diamond necessarily. I just want it to be straightforward. Let the players in the system go to work and eat. I love it. I'm going to say 3-1. to one. Um, that's Notable, too, notable too, real quick in that game, it wasn't just the starting 11 that was successful. When we subbed in towards the end, it was Jared Stroud who had himself a goal also in that game. Absolutely. Lots of depth uh, for playoff runs. Uh, lots of health as well. Thank goodness. That's it from us from the big 550 KTRS portion of our show. Please check out our podcast online if you'd like to get into some more just random talk after this. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I hope you can look us up, review, rate, all these things. It helps us out, and we'd appreciate you doing so. Thank you again for listening. Good luck, everybody, in the playoffs. Us and City. Let's go. Go City. really nailed the cadence on this it's become a thing i dig it i mean i know that we're doing this on a like late on a thursday and that's got that's been our groove all year and i mean before that years ago but this this just kind of sets the tone sets the mood for the rest of the pod mm-hmm. um but we are going to lift it up Stu had to leave he's got a sick kiddo and you know lord knows when you got an infant your, your schedule's just different than the rest of the world for a while. So mm-hmm. thanks to Stu for joining us and hanging out. Uh, but we got a really fun one to lead off here, Matt. We got another ticket giveaway, as you teased in the first portion. Yes, um, this was exciting. Uh, so you actually took a question from who we're partnering with on this. And I, I do mean a partnership on this because Chris Gebhardt, who runs stlsoccernews.com, you can follow him at stl underscore soccer underscore news on X. He does a fantastic job in putting together a resource for fans of St. Louis City to to look at just the fan-created content, whether podcasts, websites, articles, not just from St. Louis City, but also nationally and internationally. So there's a his, his website is a massive resource, stlsoccernews.com, and follow him on X, STL under soccer under news. He has graciously worked to provide us with two tickets to the South End GA section at Children's Mercy Park on November 5th. So this ticket giveaway is for the playoffs and it's for an away day. So very exciting combination there 
which is uh, markedly different from anything we'll probably ever do or will do for a while anyway. And I'm excited to bring this one. And because it's such a short turnaround time, I'm going to put a post up possibly while we're streaming this. We'll see if I have the, the multitasking skills to do that. But if not, then tonight on Thursday night. So by Friday, when you're listening to this on the podcast, the post will be up on X and it will be up on Instagram to make sure you follow us. You like the post. And then um, let's just say make a comment uh, with, I don't know, reply who you want to be our player of the first round series. So this is who you think will be the overall best city player of the entire first round in these two or three games. Santi and I are going to draw the winner via random number generator again on Monday's Flyover Fallout. Santi, I'm signing you up for something without telling you beforehand. <laughs> All right. I'm in. But I figure we'll, uh, we've been good on Fallout, staying with our cadence there. So yeah. look for, because it's Sunday night, we'll be doing our stream on Monday and we'll draw the winner then. That way you'll have plenty of advance notice to, and we'll draw two or three again, just in case we need a backup uh, because it's an away day and we want to make sure the winner can actually travel. His whole thing is he wants those tickets to go to St. Louis fans. And so thank you, Chris, so much That's for providing awesome. this. And it's another amazing opportunity that we are so happy to be able to provide here at Flyover. So cool. Like, awesome listeners and friends here. <laughs> this is the second time we've been able to do this just, like, through volunteer. And, uh, you know, how cool is it that we're giving away tickets to an away match? Someone else's stadium. <laughs> to right? me, that's hilarious. Uh, but speaking of that, I threw this in second because, to me, this is, like, something I'm really looking forward to. And I think the fan engagement... There's been a lot of excitement about this, this red out thing. I just want to make darn sure that everyone is going to have their app and they're going to be have it downloaded and be able to join the stadium in this red out. I think it's been everyone's it, most. It's been my favorite uh, part of the game day experience is the red out when it's dark outside. And now adding the cell phones to that to me is like, oh, man, it's going to be one of my favorite playoff moments, I think. Um, but I didn't know what you guys, if you guys wanted to say anything about it, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It, I mean, it just enhances what it, it took. So uh, talking to Matt Seebeck last Sunday, um, you know, Phil, we were there, he was there with just about everybody who works for city, I believe, and hadn't had a chat chance to chat with him for a moment. And it was all about how the game day experience wants to take it to the next level without losing any of the identity that existed during the regular season. So we've come to know and love a lot of what the club and the supporters have created on game day. It's a unique one of a kind experience that has been crafted and molded and evolved throughout the season to get us to where we are today. And, and the whole concept is not to pivot into something completely different and to just go as far as you can into something in the playoffs. It's to take what works and what everybody loves and just build upon it. So adding something to it, augmenting it, enhancing it, all of the superlatives and this is a it's a really fun, easy way to combine the technology that they love with the fan experience that that we've come to know from them. So this and, and I, I don't know if it's just going to be the red glow. I don't know if it's going to be like pulsating or something. But if you only picture what goes on with Muses mm. Uprising and the lights and the sound with the STL and the drum chants from the supporters mm. with this kind of uh, from everybody's phone, tens of thousands of people, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And don't forget the I always like to work that into a show if I'm if I'm able to. There you uh, go. But while we're on lighthearted things, um, I got a picture that popped up on on X today because I get notifications every time 
Matt uh, posts something in Santiago <laughs> and Stuart as well. Um, but while we're singing, um, <laughs> oh boy, Matt uh, had a really good costume tonight, or at least I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Cue the Indiana Jones theme. Yeah. Da, 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 da. which we're okay for a second. Da, da, da. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. he, he, Matt, I'm going to say something. If Indy scores on Sunday, you're going to have to wear that yep. costume more often. Oh, oh my boy. gosh, yes. You'll be on the screen if you do that, guaranteed. <laughs> How do you get the whip into City Park, though? That's the question. <laughs> if that yacht captain gets on the screen, they sure as heck better put you on the screen. <laughs> that, was, that, that was something that it, it's been in the work for a while, and... Um, so we did we did a trunk or treat when the just a few hours before we recorded this, and uh, we we had this whole soccer field thing going on there. Um, my my wife had a referee <laughs> costume, and yeah, it was a fedora, a whip, and an indie full kit. So there's two t- two times in a year this, that one has permission to go full kit. That's <laughs> that's Halloween, and it's full kit wanker night. And I, I used one of mine, and I, I look forward to using it again this weekend. I, I, I loved it, too, because everybody kind of got it. That was exciting, too. There's a lot of soccer fans who came up. We had this whole thing about, like, you can get a piece of candy. You can get two if you score a goal. And I had a lot of dads and moms who were like, when I turned around and they saw the Vasilev and they saw the hat, they're like, ah, I, I get it. And I was pleasantly surprised because I was fully expecting nobody to really get it, um, even if they saw whose jersey I was wearing. That's very cool. Yeah, that's it. very cool. And yeah, you said two times you're allowed to wear it, but not we just said it. If India scores, you can wear it at City Park. Agree. We've punched um, <laughs> universal tickets for from now until eternity if he scores in the playoffs. It, it was. I mean, like I don't. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it was just so funny that it was Michelle's idea. My wife. It was her idea for for, for me to be indie, not just because I have his jersey, but um, I had been growing out a beard, and I joked that it's a playoff beard. But I, I've enjoyed having this. And so my first thought was I should go as Tim Parker for Halloween, get the bucket mm. hat. I've got red hair. You know, I, I don't quite lift as much weights to look physique <laughs> wise. But and then I got I don't want to shave the beard. And so I'm not going to I can't do that. And, and then she had the idea of just go Andy. as Indy. Yeah. Walk around with a goofball smile on my face, tell some jokes and put on Indiana Jones hat and whip. Go. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, as we said earlier, there's been a, just a whole lot to talk about in this episode, and Matt ran down all of them. And and to be honest, I'm sure, Matt, you've got a lot of tactical stuff you didn't get to touch on as well, but I didn't know if anyone wanted to talk about some of these news items, or do if we, not, we Do we talk tactics on this show? <laughs> well, but you do. Ah. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that I do. Um, yeah. yeah, I wanted to go back to something. Uh, I know we're running out of time. We were talking... <sighs> Go ahead. No, you go, Senti. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, uh, something happened to my... Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, I wanted I wanted to go back to um, the referee question. Uh, mm. So we, we found out that it was in a telephone call yesterday. Um, and uh, there were some funny jokes on the chat about uh, telephone call and Alan Chapman. So I recommend you guys go back and read, read them. Uh, but Ted Uncle has only refereed uh, one St. Louis City SC game, and it was the home opener against uh, Charlotte Ed, uh, against Charlotte FC. Is that when it was? Because I was looking at the stats here, and I see that he's, he gave three yellow cards in whatever match he did ref for us. So mm. it's 
he seems it's, i mean he's given charlotte a total of 11 yellow cards in three it games it says here that in that game he gave uh eight yellow cards total yeah so aside from the fact that skc might look to slow down the pace of play because of their short turnaround time and to take the momentum out of city park that gives them kind of the the runway for which to do so i think this is going to be a time it's going to be one of those quintessential times where something's going to happen to a player on the field and the fans are going to hone in on one of the players and smart money is johnny russell obviously but whoever that is, it's happened in just about every single game where something has gotten chippy. I remember it against Houston, against Charlotte, mm-hmm. against the Galaxy. It always some player does something early, and that player every time they touch the ball will get. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so do we think it's going to be Johnny Russell in this game? Yeah. It is that man drives me insane. I end up <laughs> booing him so quickly. And it's like, to me, it's like that Scottish mentality. Like, no one goes harder in a game sometimes. At least this is what I think of a Scottish player. They go so hard in the game, but at the same time, they dive so often. That same player will go into a tackle really hard, but then, like, dive. And to me, that's Johnny Russell is exactly that. He does it every time we play him. Did you notice in that uh, San Jose game, like, someone came in pretty hard on him, and he just, like, stayed down? Someone passed him the ball and he's like barely hobbled yeah. over to it and he just kind of complained some more, um, you know, physically, visibly with his with his body. Basically, I would have been going crazy on that man if he did that in St. Louis and he might, you know, I just that stuff really gets me to my core. That's my rant. I'm sorry. Johnny Russell drives me crazy, but I do think it's going to be him. And I do think, well, as we said earlier, that I think Casey's going to be looking to dive and looking to waste a lot of time. I really do think so. So we talked about the similarities that we want to see to the September 30th game. That's a good time to, to remind everybody that Johnny Russell was basically the one player from SKC's best 11 or starting 11 who did not play in that mm-hmm. match against St. Louis on September 30th. He had a red card from the match before, and so he was serving his suspension. That I don't know that you could say that made the difference because we ended up winning 4-1, to one, but Johnny Russell plays differently than Kyrie Shelton, and when he's out there, that's the X factor compared to what we saw, and especially because we all had the same lineup running out there as, as we did in September. Um, that's something to keep in mind when you look back to how we performed on that last game. Yeah. Anything else, Matt, tactically? Oh, I mean, uh, I, I think everybody got the gist of what we need to watch for. The The other thing just to remember is pressing-wise, SKC is not a pressing team. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the, the PPDA stat, which is the last stat that I, I want to get in on every show, um, PPDA being the number of opposition passes allowed outside of the team's own defensive third, you divide that by the number of defensive actions by the pressing team outside their own defensive third, basically gives you an idea of how many passes a team allows before they do some kind of uh, action, whether it's a tackle or an interception or pressure, something like that. Um, A lower number indicates a higher level of pressing, a higher number indicates a lower level of pressing. St. Louis is tied for second lowest in PPDA, meaning we are one of the most pressing teams, second only to New York Red Bulls, so it, it passes the eye test. Sporting KC is fifth highest, and that's actually risen from the September 30th meeting, uh, meeting, meaning that SKC presses even less in their last handful of games than they did prior, where they were one of the lowest teams in pressing. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we've said it before that St. Louis matches up nicely to Kansas City. Now, Kansas City does a few things to kind of counterbalance that. Um, even though our tactics match us really well, they do some things well that works well against against St. Louis. And I was listening to Backhield. I, th- I think you guys should definitely go listen to their last um, episode was breaking down all the playoff teams in the Western Conference on this one. They did Eastern before. And... Um, talking about why each one could win it and why each one could just get knocked out immediately and being mls i mean this isn't a hard thing to talk about right no team is is massively better than any other one in this case and um for st louis and kansas city both it's just like you know it's it's all the things you guys said about kansas city being hot right now but you know i I said it in the ktrs episode we did the other day i didn't express it very well but just like Kansas City does have this style, and they play it throughout the game no matter what. They, they stick to their principles, but they don't always win because of their principles. Sometimes they just win through blood and guts, and they're capable of that. And that's just a, a, something that works in the playoffs. And I think St. Louis has plenty of blood and guts. I think KC has plenty of blood and guts. And that's why I think this three-game series is going to be really interesting. You know, it would just – I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud, you know, for how well we've dominated them at home – I would just, it would murder, it would kill me if we didn't win this series, you know, because it would just, I don't know, it would just hurt me deeply. But in the very back, tiny percentage of my head, I'm a little anxious because it's just Kansas City is the kind of team that that could take it from you, even when you feel like they didn't deserve it. And I think St. Louis will play in a way that they will deserve the win, but I could see Casey stealing it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say that, yeah, um, I want to win it too because if uh, somehow Sporting takes the series, we're going to hear about it for months from the fans uh, in Kansas. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that's kind of been happening the day we're recording this is the banter has already picked up quite a bit. Uh, You have some of the, the journalists on the Kansas side already harping about the supposed la- the lack of yeah, I mean it's there. Like, <laughs> stay away from that for you page. That for you page on X is dangerous now at this time of year. Uh, you don't have to follow folks. The algorithm just says, "Hey, looks like you've been posting a lot about SKC. Why don't you check out all these other folks who are doing the same?" Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's a it's it's a wild wild area. Stay safe out there, <laughs> and don't don't get. I mean, you know, stay sane. I would say, don't get baited into uh, a silly conversation like just we know who we are in st louis we know the soccer history st louis has the first pro league 1907 the first soccer game back in the 1900s the the u.s open cup storied history uh the only storied history we don't have is related to mls and that's exactly where they focus the joke is that Soccer didn't get discussed in St. Louis between in, in MLS, so between 96 and 2022. But the joke is also that soccer didn't exist in Kansas City before 1996. And so <laughs> both both sides have their, their own stories, their own things that they can and should take pride in. Yeah. You know, you can't take away MLS Cup, U.S. Open Cup from Sporting KC. You can't take away the things that they, they did uh, to start the league as the Wiz. You can't take Clark Hunt's involvement in all of this away. And why would you want to? Mm-hmm. Just like you wouldn't want to take away Jim Cavanaugh's uh, commitment and the way that he's helped grow soccer in St. Louis. Like, there are some things that just are pointless to even consider in an argument uh, or discussion. 
And then there's things like the fact that we have already defeated Sporting KC in a best of three type of a series this year. Played them three times, won twice, and let's just do it again. High road. Great. High road. Low road over here. We stay away. High road. Yeah. We go higher. First soccer capital, we stop at everything else. We can say first soccer capital. We don't go any further. Keep it safe. Keep it sane. That's I right. love that, Matt. Good right. stuff. Um, let's talk about, so Chris Gebhardt's still with us. Thank God. Uh, lots of good stuff coming from him, including um, what he said about Chapman has only done 11 matches this year in MLS, it looks like. No, but that's not true. He corrected himself. Oh, afterwards. sorry about uh, that. Yeah. 23, 23 matches. Yeah, I, I was looking at it when he said 11. I, I was like, no, this doesn't look right. And then he, he corrected him himself. Um, there is a there is a good account, uh, really good account um, on Twitter or I guess X since that's the, the new name that has a lot of the referee stats. Uh, mm. It's called uh, MLS Ref, at MLS Ref Stats. Um, and I don't remember how I found it, but uh, I use it a lot uh, to prep for games when I want to get information on, on the referee and how many times uh, he has uh, he has been in city matches or the opponents matches or how they do. The, it's a it's a great account. Lots of like uh, he breaks down uh, how the home teams did, how the how the uh, away teams did. So um, lots of details. So I uh, highly recommend it. Really good stuff. Nice. So sorry, Chris, I'm not getting all of your, your messages there. So sorry about that. But he also asks. But we have to talk about Canas. About what? Sorry. <sighs> <laughs> I was I was actually thinking about that because I, I saw in the chat somebody put that and I was like, we should explain because that seems to be gaining traction um, in oh. the in the community. The the word Canis, K-A-N-A-S. <laughs> Santi, do you want to say where that came from? Yeah, so because uh, we have a we have a, a personal tie-in to Flyover Footy on this one. Oh, I, I believe, I believe, I believe we have a personal tie-in. Yeah, so last night was it, I think yeah it was last it was last night, night. last night uh, the St. Louis City account posted something about uh, the series against um, Sporting KC and the the four game of the year. And it says, we are set to face Canas Sunday night at City Park. And it was also a lowercase for the K. Um, and I, I caught it right away. So uh, it was so funny. Um, and it looks like it's catching up. That was posted at 10.43 p.m. And it wasn't until 10.48 p.m. that they responded to themselves and said, oops, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Still lowercase. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Now everybody is kind of rolling with the the canis, and so if you ever wonder why people are missing an S or or just and it's consistent, it's it's the city Twitter account, and they stuck to their guns. Credit <laughs> to the person who probably posted that. Stuck to their guns. It's uh it's like jazz. You know, they teach you when you're learning how to improv in jazz. Like if you make a mistake, just repeat it. And then it becomes right. on purpose. It becomes its own form of art. And uh, so well done there. Well done. I back it completely. 
Um, we have it in our notes, and it lines up with another Chris Gebhardt uh, question um, to talk about the rest of the playoffs. And he's asking any thoughts on the New York Red Bull Charlotte match. Um, I think we all know who Matt was rooting for in this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, why, hmm. don't you, why don't you tell us what you thought about this match? Well, you didn't get to watch it that I, closely. I'm sorry. So so I was uh, at Urban Chestnut watching Nosferatu, which is just a fantastic yearly thing we do. But they did have it on, so I found out that this way that uh, Urban Chestnut does have MLS season pass because uh-huh. they had the game on at the bar up in Midtown, and I watched the beginning of it, and it seemed kind of boring at the beginning. Uh, go check back to intermission, and there's a couple guys watching it, and suddenly it's four two at half, <laughs> and we see the third goal or the fifth goal rather in the second half, and it's just it's it's monstrous. And Tom Barlow got in on goal scoring. So that's the yep. St. Louis connection right there. That's exciting. And um, yeah, a lot of people know my history with Charlotte, my involve, my engagement with their former president, their their fans. They, I'm told they had a, a, a group chat discussion about me earlier this year. So that was that was humbling. Um, but it, it is not going to I'm not going to shed any tears. The fact that they're out of the playoffs, it was exciting for them to have made the playoffs in their second year. Good job, but <laughs> couldn't make it past the wild card game. Man, I wouldn't want to go out like that. I, I don't know. I guess you could see it multiple ways. They never gave up. It's not, you know, the game kind of stayed open, but the defending was pretty, pretty gross. And they've, they've got some quality or at least supposed quality that young 21 year old French center back is supposed to be something pretty special. But they just well, I think they were getting isn't, burned. Isn't Carol Swiderski leaving now? Yeah, I, thought, I saw a goodbye tweet. They uh, think so. So is that so is that true? Is like this his contract is expiring and I guess they are not renewing. Is that what's going on? Actually, I don't think it's expiring. I heard there were offers that have not oh. fizzled out. And yeah. I think the match is not good. I think that's just what they're realizing, that his playing style isn't lining up with the way they want to play for some reason. Well, he, they've had issues with, uh, earlier in the season especially, yeah. connecting their DPs together because they're yeah. playing out of position a lot. Yeah. And so I think I think it's just trying to rebuild their roster and he's not fitting into long-term plans. But that this, this thing that happened with them is... Uh, it's a slippery slope that I think a lot of MLS teams might end up getting into in the coming years if we stick with this playoff structure. And that's teams that really aren't good squeaking into the playoffs and it buying their their staff or their players extra time in the eyes of the fans because they've qualified for the playoffs. And so with Charlotte or, or Kansas City could even be in this conversation, uh, they squeak into the playoffs and then if they get bounced early and they don't show any marked signs of improvement, yes, they made the playoffs, but ownership is probably going to say, okay, this is good. We're going to give you another year to build upon this. And then that's suddenly a potential lost year because they towed the line as the ninth best team in the conference. I think that a lot of teams, a lot of owners really need to be mindful of, of what of the length of the leash that they're willing to give some of these staffs that just barely make the playoffs and get bounced so unceremoniously. Yeah. I mean, are we, you know, what is the question? Are they, are they trying to have uh, meaningful and interesting, exciting playoffs or are they trying to fit in as many games as they can to make the dollar signs make sense? Maybe for Apple, as you suggested, perhaps in the last episode, Matt, which I think makes a lot of sense that if, if there's a reason for them to do it, 
constantly in this country, money is usually the answer for something like that to happen. So um, that's my opinion on, on that. But I, I agree. I think it should be changed if possible. We got players. We're going to get let's get to that in a little bit. But we got players screaming for less games and, and things like that. Yeah. So but I want to I want to kind of end the, the show on that topic. I, maybe we could talk yeah. about the playoffs some more, Matt. I mean, with the playoffs the way they are, though, the things to remember are we're down to the last 16. So St. Louis playing Kansas City, Houston Dynamo are playing Real Salt Lake, and the winner of that match plays the winner of yeah. St. Louis, Kansas City. On the other side of the Western Conference, there's LAFC against Vancouver with LAFC hosting. There's Seattle against Dallas with Seattle hosting. And the the thing to remember in the Western Conference, well, in both conferences, because on the other side, too, it's Cincinnati, Red Bulls, Philadelphia, New England, columbus atlanta and orlando nashville is these first this best of three first round is going until november 12th where there's a a game every week basically so you get plenty of rest between your matches but there's another international break looming (laughs) so when we talk about looking ahead to houston rsl for either st louis or kansas city we're talking about almost a month from now when those matchups will happen i mean basically a month november 25th the Saturday after Thanksgiving is when that conference semifinal starts. So this is, I mean, it's, it's so far in the future to think about what might happen at the end that so many things could happen internationally and domestically between now and then. But if all things are, are, you know, everything is consistent and you take away all that and you assume that the teams are going to stay in the form that they're in right now. I, I really see Seattle. I see Houston and I hopefully see St. Louis as going the furthest in the West. Hmm. Um, I really love what Seattle's been doing. I They showed a lot when they were at City Park in their ability to uh, stay defensive and win the battles that they know they can win. And I, I think that now that they'll have home field barring St. Louis in the rest of these playoffs in the Western Conference, that gives them an advantage too. So since you mentioned... Um... Houston and Seattle, I guess. Maybe you don't think there will be an upset in this first round in the West? Or could that be? I I left myself an out with Vancouver. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) LAFC has been complaining about rest, right? And being their health with such a long, a long season. I think that's Vancouver's best chance of winning against LAFC is just like athleticism, physicality, you know, blood and guts, as we said before. We've seen Vancouver really succeed, and I think playing LAFC with that style could really, really work in their favor. Um, I think this Houston RSL game, I mean, rightfully so. They're ranked fourth, they're seeded fourth and fifth. It's a close matchup for me, especially because they have, um, what's his name, the Christian, I forgot his last name, Barrio? Chicharango. Chicharango. Arango, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's such Colombian. a good, yeah. He's such a good striker, and their pickup of him was the right time. With that was you know, huge. And I'll just say that their style with that kind of striker up top, um, and Seattle's style, I think it just lends well to a playoff knockout style bracket. And so I think that's in their favor. I think Dallas is going to burn out real fast. Last time those two teams played, Houston and Real Salt Lake was back on Match Day twenty five. And Houston beat them three to nothing. Wow! At Real Salt Lake or in in San Diego. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah. And this game's in and, Houston. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Dallas and Seattle, um, I don't know if you may be surprised about this. In the regular season, uh, they tied twice. Hmm. Not surprising, given what I remember from Dallas. I mean, granted, the second time we played them, it was they were down to 10 men, and they bunkered down. But I, I don't remember being overly impressed the first um, first two halves that we, we faced them with those weather issues. I think the I think those two teams, that'll be a fun matchup, just to see if Jesus Ferreira can really get unlocked or if Seattle's defense remains on lockdown. Keith just said Chicho is injured, but he is supposed to come back early November. So I think he'll be in at least one of these games, at least as a sub. So, um, And maybe that plays a big role, him being either injured or only playing partial games. That, that could make a big difference. Um, on the, on the yeah. Eastern Conference side, I know we don't care as much about them right now, but uh, that, to be fair, that conference did have some of the, the top-heavy teams as far as records and, and win, wins and losses. I'm most excited, I think, for that Orlando-Nashville game. Yes. Not just for the weird random Twitter beef that was going on between their fan bases that really seemed to just escalate beyond words, but they those those two teams with Orlando finishing second um, and Nashville looking to probably take that next step in their club to, to go far in the playoffs. Um, Nashville has not had a good back half of the season. Uh, that's that's where Orlando has the... the um, potential to really blow this one out but nashville has three wins since match day 19 they've really had a rough run of form and they've fallen pretty significantly in the standings um honey mukhtar really hasn't done a whole lot in this back half of the season and in, they've just been quiet mm. and so i think the orlando team that we saw when we were there is by and large the same so we know they're attacking prowess yes. we know that they uh i mean they're this is a good team. The matchups in the East are so fun. I mean, it's like if you wanted to pick the best matchups, I think they got it because Cincinnati and, and Red Bull are both going to be high energy teams. Um, talking to you know my best friend from the USL show, Evan Valella is a Philly guy, and he said Philly <laughs> hates playing New England. It becomes a mess, and they're opposite styles. And so I think that one's going to be a fun one, and really like kind of the tactical and interesting prowess of both Columbus and Atlanta as like kind of fun teams to watch fun styles. They play interesting well, styles. I think that one will be a, a fun matchup as well. If, if you're looking for, if you just like goal scoring and you want to see the game that will produce the most goals, watch Columbus Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, those are the two teams that lead the conference by a wide margin in goals scored 67 for Columbus, 66 for Atlanta, the next highest being New England at 58. And then goals allowed. Columbus is, is middling. They're, they've allowed 46 goals. That's the middle of the pack. But Atlanta has allowed 53 goals this year, most in the conference. So their games are shootouts. So that's if you want goals, watch that game. Yeah, absolutely. Most people do, right? So go for it. Um, where should we go next, Matt? We've got – we do need to talk about this, this timing of – what happens this season going into next season? That's a yeah. big one. Yeah, I might as well pivot to that. I think uh, I'm, I'm fully expecting FC Cincinnati is the clear cut um, favorite in the East, and they should be. They'll remain the clear cut favorite. Mm -hmm. It will take a significant upset, but I do think it will be fun if we end up getting Hell is Real in the Eastern Conference final. I believe it would work out. Yes, Eastern Conference final would be Hell is Real. That would be fun. Before we talk about the final topic here, 
Um, I'm going to get this wrong, but I did write it down. Um, Stuart wanted to make sure that we mentioned that Jack Lynn won the MVP for MLS NB, MLS Next Pro. I just thought it'd be funny to put all those <laughs> letters in a row. Um, but that's massive. St. Louis and Scott Gallagher Cade went to Notre Dame, um, one that we hoped would be drafted by uh, St. Louis City. There was interest, if we've heard rumors of interest from City, of getting Jack Lynn from Orlando. Um, but this is his second year doing incredibly well for them in MLS Next Pro hardly any sniffs with the senior team and that is not true for anyone else that has done as well as he's done in mls next pro so congrats to him keep churning away down there i think all of us are hoping that this guy gets a chance somewhere else because um it was mentioned duncan mcguire is having just an insanely good season with orlando the opening's not there for jack and so maybe orlando sees a chance to cash in on jack send him to a place he gets some minutes um i'm hoping and praying for this because boy he's such a good player and he deserves better in my opinion agreed but do you think with the current roster do you think he will get minutes in st louis I'm worried because I think we were just, you know, I got to mention it in, in the first segment, Ken and Glover didn't get enough minutes. And I think right. that's fair, right? Like, we need to get as many players on this roster minutes, um, and the rotation is important. But even when we were kind of short on strikers, he wasn't getting enough minutes. So I want to say no because I want Caden to get those minutes, but would Jack do well with those minutes? playing our style the answer is yes to that i guarantee you um if he was playing with mls next pro in st louis he would have gotten his max loans up easily this season in my opinion even with caden glover needing minutes what do you guys think though in the middle of the season i firmly believe that like around the time that johnny klein was getting some call-ups yeah before especially before nuke v thorson arrived and we were dealing with the klaus injury we had that period of time where sam hadn't been recalled yet that would have been a yes. good opportunity to get him in and showcase him for at least a couple of matches. What do you think, Santiago? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I think he will get some minutes, especially uh, with CONCACAF Champions Cup and then uh, Leagues Cup and a scheduled Open, Open Cup. So, so, yeah, I think he will get some opportunities. And, uh, yeah, if there are any injuries or... Mm -hmm just want to rest somebody yeah he could get some opportunities and you can always uh have him play for for city too so so yeah it could be a good pickup i think any mls team would give him a shot and you look at what simon betcher did he had a really similar college profile oh, yeah. to jacqueline and so you look at what you know simon betcher got decent minutes over at vancouver and i think that's going to continue to increase each year if he continues to do what he did jacqueline's very capable of that and like i said most teams in mls would give jack a lot of minutes it's just orlando had uh, a strange circumstance with duncan really hitting um, was it Matt Doyle said that he thinks he's the best striker to come out of college maybe ever um, since, in fact, uh, since uh, St. Louis in, uh, why am I blanking on his name? National team player, Brian McBride. Thank you. He's little Matt Doyle uh, tweeted that today. So I'm glad we got to fit in another St. Louis mm. story here. Um, but let's talk about the amount of time between the end of we mentioned it earlier right the amount of time between the end of the playoffs which goes straight to december mm -hmm. let's say st louis makes it to the final um mm -hmm. best case scenario right on the other hand mm -hmm. the draw will happen what a week later for ccc 
and then yeah. games start in February. That's not much of a break. The MLS season wraps on December 9th with MLS Cup Final. The draw for the CONCACAF Champions Cup will be December 13th, which is that following Wednesday. A.K.A. CCC. CCC. CCC begins next year, the 2024 edition, on February 6th. The first round, the first and second legs, will be February 6th through 8th, 13th through 15th, 20th through 22nd, and 27th through the 29th, with a round of 16 starting March 5th. So you have March 5th, March 12th. The quarterfinals are April 2nd, April 9th. The semifinals, April 23rd, April 30th. And then the final is in June. A very compact schedule with consistent matches um, midweek throughout the months of February, March, and April. Now, if you compare that to what City's preseason schedule was this year, so looking at the fact that competitive matches will start on February 6th and go throughout the month of February, this past preseason, St. Louis City started preseason on January 9th. So that would be about one month after MLS Cup Final. They didn't start competitive games in the preseason until January 21st. Well, it ended up being January 24th because of um, the unfortunate issue with Charlotte at the time. And they were still playing their second set of preseason games come February 6th when they went to Palm Springs, California at the Empire Polo Club. They played three preseason games out there, February 8th, 12th, and 15th. Those are directly opposed to the February 6th timeline of CCC. So when you're looking to time off, it's probably going to be, I, I would bet it's going to be similar in time off because you're talking the holidays at this time. You want to maintain fitness. There's going to be an extra onus on maintaining fitness, but you still need to have that mental break. Yeah. Lutz and Bradley are not going to keep these guys around. We've seen, we've seen tangible proof of their commitment to the mental health aspect of this game, giving players time away when, when they can. Talking Leagues Cup, talking international break after Vancouver, and they've been committed to that. So a full, full view of their players' health. They're going to likely do the same around the holidays. So we're talking coming back at the beginning of January, but then you're talking one month later competitive matches. Instead of having a second round of preseason in California, competitive matches. Now, regardless of where they end up playing in January, this is going to require a quick ramp up. It's going to require depth. And it's going to, I mean, probably going to require a lot of luck for a team in this position to be competitive right off the bat in February. Oh, we don't yeah. know. We don't know when the 2024 MLS season starts, but this year it started February 25th. That's, I mean, we're talking about like no one month break, and then you got to get everybody up to speed, fitness, and cohesiveness. If there's one silver lining to this entire process, it is the quantity of players St. Louis has that are still under contract for next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. The amount of players who are out of contract is only in the low double digits. We're talking maybe 11, 12 players. Uh, we'll talk about that in the offseason. But we know for a fact that a few of those players are already having contract extension conversations. And the players are probably easy to guess because they've been the most successful on some of these next pro to MLS type of a contract. So the more players we were able to bring back, the less we have to worry about learning a new system, familiarity, and the easier it is to get started when you know you have almost no time before competitive matches in February. Santiago, anything on your wish list to make CCC a little more 
comfortable even though it's going to be awful yeah uh, i don't think there is anything that can make it better unless um there is a change to uh, the structure of the mls season but i don't see that happening what i wanted to ask matt since uh you know about and uh, about all these things uh do you remember when the mls schedule came out mm-hmm. for this season when, yeah. when was it it was in december okay so hopefully we'll see something again in december yeah those those off-season activities i i it happened in around the super draft time period that's true which st louis really has no um rooting interest for this year because we've already traded away our first round super draft pick yeah Mm. but was it only the home openers or was it like the full schedule it was uh the the first week they did uh just the home openers and then uh-huh. the next week or a few days later, so they they drug it out a little bit. Yeah, that's that's one of those sort of things that people tend to complain about that the schedule comes out so late. Like, and if you compare it to, like, yeah, it was like it MLB. Was a, the Cardinals already know their schedule for next season, like since mm-hmm. July. It was um, December December twentieth. It looks like where okay. they te- they teased it on December sixteenth of last year, and then so if you look at the timelines, you're basically saying you finish MLS Cup final, yeah. then next week they tease it, and then a few days or a week later, so up to two weeks after MLS Cup final, they release the schedule for the next year. So you have a couple, you have basically ten days left in December, and then training camp starts January before you really ramp it up. Hmm. And then we have you're, you're right, Santi. We have no reason to believe things will change as far as around the time when the MLS season starts late February, because mm-hmm. we we know MLS was happy. MLS and Liga MX were happy with what happened with the League's Cup from yeah. a ratings perspective, from a visibility perspective. And so that's expected to continue again the month long break, which will necessitate a more expanded season because the alternative the alternative is not to lower the number of games. We know that they're not going to do that. Quite mm-hmm. the opposite. Apple has. They want more games. Apple wants as many games, mm. as many live matches as possible. And so the alternative, there's two alternatives that I see. One is you compact the schedule to create more midweek matches, but an mm-hmm. overall shorter total amount of time in the season. That's bad. The next option is worse. Mm-hmm. You, you figure out a way out of the U.S. Open Cup. Oof. And I'm not saying I want that. Don't Better not. Put that, don't put that on me. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> this is just me saying the, the, the breadcrumbs have been laid by Garber and MLS to say we don't see value in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, They're yeah. complaining about the, the facilities, even though it's there are some pretty awful facilities in MLS still. That is an issue. Um, but we've seen these breadcrumbs being laid. And so be weary if you hear more rumblings of that kind of thing, because that is a way to remove fixture congestion from what MLS themselves have introduced with things like League's Cup. Campione's Cup Cup needs to be gone first, like immediately. And they should have called that off already, actually. Once they added League's Cup, they should have just gotten rid of Campione's. But, um, you know, I just hope they spend all of January getting their stuff together, or even as soon as this, this season is over figuring something out because they it's in mls's interest yes yes they want to win 
the money first, right? Apple TV takes priority. That's fine. I understand why they're doing it. Not that I like it in every way, but they also want to raise their profile in the world. Well, winning CCC is to me the best thing you can do regularly. Winning it regularly means you're showing the world that you're better than Liga MX, which is target number one, right? And so, you know, roster rules needs that needs to be touched on immediately. It needs to happen before we start CCC, really before the season's over, so that everybody knows what they're going to bring back, who they can call up. I want to be able to see Chris Klein called up as much, or Johnny, sorry, Johnny Klein. I did that before. <laughs> Johnny Klein called up as often as we care. Let you know, make it so that we want to pick up someone like Jack Lynn so that we can use him in important games throughout the season and, and spell other guys, um, give them rest. These things need to happen, and it can happen with the, the signing of a pen. This isn't a money thing. It's just change the rules to make it easier for your teams. Give them the ability and the flexibility to win CCC and compete in the regular season after that. It's just so easy, and it makes no sense to me. I don't know what motivation they have to not do it, I guess, at this point. And so I'm going to keep beating this drum, get used to it. I'm going to say it as often as we talk about CCC probably. Please do. Thanks for not turning me off. (laughs) I know when you like to get on your soapbox about that kind of thing. I do. Uh, I got nothing. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Real quick, the end of year awards. We we talked about the city folks that were in it. Um, the the pertinent things we've talked about Bradley Carnell a lot, especially on our last last week's full flyer footy. Uh, So if you want to get into that uh, rabbit trail a rabbit hole go check out the wind down on that where i made my my passionate case on why carnell is the obvious choice for coach of the year the other one is the obvious choice is roman berkey for goalkeeper of the year which you called out during our radio portion phil and i did see some comments about certain stats very high level stats like just goals allowed goals uh, overall number of saves that put berkey in um comparable company to other keepers but there's one stat that is is easy to track. It's on FB Ref. It's it's, I mean, it's very obvious that this is a, a key stat of Roman Berkey, and it's not necessarily distribution. It's not the amount of time he spends outside of the box, which those numbers are both leading the league among the league leaders and keepers. It's post post shot expected goals minus goals allowed. It's basically taking uh, the luck out of the equation, looking at after you've taken a shot. Uh, how likely the goalkeeper is to save the shot. It's the goalkeeper version of an expected goals or expected goals allowed of, of a team level. And Berkey's number here is so far and away above either the other two finalists, um, Pedro Galisi and Roman Celentano. Berkey's number is plus 9.1. Galisi's is 1.4 and Celentano's is 0.3. And this is, the, I mean, the higher numbers suggests either better luck or an above average ability to stop shots. Again, looking at the expected goals based on how likely the goalkeeper is to save the shot minus the actual goals allowed. The higher the number, the better. Berkey is in another, another level when it comes to this stat. So this is a very key stat to look for in why Berkey means so much when a stat like number of PK saves, goals allowed, those things might paint him more of a, a standard goalkeeper. And that's not even getting into the the sweeper stats, getting outside the box, the passes, the the vertical passes downfield, near assists. I mean, all these things, the the shot creating actions that he has some of. 
But then you get into some interesting categories like Defender of the Year, Tim Parker, a little bit of a longer shot, admittedly. Yeah. New, newcomer of the Year is probably the one that got the most attention on Thursday, and it's where Edu Leuven, it has, um, this was a name that we were struggling with earlier this year, uh, Georgios Yakamakis from Atlanta United, the Greek god himself, Greek <laughs> goal-scoring god. And uh, a name that some people might know, you, you wouldn't be blamed if you didn't know, because that would mean you'd be living under a rock. It's Lionel Messi. Yakamakis, Messi, and Edu Leuven are the three finalists for Newcomer of the Year. For this award, Newcomer is defined by the league as a player who had previous professional experience and made his MLS debut in 2023. So by the letter of the law, all three fit the bill for qualifying for this category. But also, looking at stats, it is an absolute joke that Lionel Messi is a finalist in this category. Lionel Messi, over the course of his illustrious MLS season, has put in a total of 373 minutes of MLS time. That's four starts and six matches played. He has one goal, two assists, and a 2.6 expected goals total for the year. It's a travesty that this is a, a component and when asked, at least one person on Twitter who is a, admittedly, a Miami journalist, or at least he's in Miami and has voting rights to this as a journalist, was very open about the fact that he voted for him because of the cumulative impact that Messi has had on the league and his overall performance in all competitions. He said, quote, there is nowhere in the criteria which you and I have both read, responding to um, a two-day NA journalist, that requires you to only consider the 34-game MLS regular season. This is from a person who has <laughs> voting access to oh these awards. God. That Again, I'm going to say this again. There's nowhere in the criteria that requires you to only consider the 34-game MLS regular season. This tweet was responded to by Michelle Giannone, which quoted and took a screenshot from the rules of voting, saying, please note the following. The 2023 year-end awards are meant to honor the top performers during the 2023 MLS regular season. Game performances during Leagues Cup, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, Canadian Championship, Campeones Cup, or CONCACAF Champions League should not be considered. Bolded, underlined, emphasized. Oh, how, my how, God. How does it get any more clear? And how is somebody able to just so brazenly brush this aside and act like they and, and have access to vote. Like how does how does one retain access to vote when they are so horribly misinformed on what they're voting on? That's crazy. Wow, looks like uh, I missed a uh, lot of good stuff today <laughs> out there in social media. But uh, yeah, even even without uh, that tweet that clarifies the rules, I'm just looking at the website here, it's called the MLS Awards. It's not like the MLS and League Cup, it's the MLS Awards. That tells everything. Yeah, and Keith Smith in the chat's right. He very well could win it if this becomes a popularity contest of a vote. Oh and my if, God, I, if no. more voters are thinking about his overall impact to the league, raising the level of the league, the notoriety, the, the, the validation of it across the globe, MLS season pass subscriptions, however people choose to to parlay their votes that gets outside of what the actual voting is supposed to be for. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a joke. Uh, hopefully he doesn't win. Um, so that means it will be up to uh, Edward Leuven and mm -hmm. the Greek God. 
Yakimakis. And Yakimakis is a a goal scorer. I think yeah. he has like 17 yeah. goals this year. I mean, he he doesn't facilitate or anything. He's just a straight up goal mm-hmm. scorer and he does it well. So I would not have an issue with Yakimakis or Leuven. Both have their own arguments. They're different styles of players. Um and and to be clear, finally, I think Lionel Messi is the greatest of all time. I think he's the best soccer player that's ever played, but I don't think he is the best newcomer in the MLS regular season this year. No, I, I, I agree with you. Like the fact that he's so good, like you still have to earn the award where, where, whatever league you go to. So, right. yeah, to me it's a no. So hopefully uh, we won't see Lionel Messi winning that award. Two out of four total for what City's been nominated with, I would be more than happy. Carnell, Berkey, oh, yeah. Leuven would be the cherry on top, and Parker yeah. is my dark horse. How confident are you guys that it will be two out of four not, compared to one out of four? Not confident. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not I think confident. it's gonna I think it's gonna be one. Me too. Which one? I'm gonna go with Berkey. Same. I would riot. Straight up, riot. And and I know all the argument, uh, all the reasons why Bradley Carnell should be the coach of the year, but I think uh, some of the voters just don't understand that and prefer Pat Noonan. I was was encouraged by seeing the voters, the the ballot of guys like Tom Bogert and Jeff Reuter. I know. I was surprised because, how many. Yeah. So seeing seeing guys like that back up Bradley Carnell with logic and uh, stats for this single year, expectations versus outcomes, mm-hmm. everything he's been able to accomplish as a first-year head coach, a first-year expansion team with all of these records, winning the conference, uh, setting different types of types of records on goals and best starts. Like that resume for the specific 2023 year is so far heads and tails above Pat Noonan because Pat Noonan had a successful year last year. And that's the caveat to me is Pat Noonan's success over the past two years has been remarkable. If they could give an award for best two-year span, he'd win without a doubt in what he was able to turn around from the three-time Wooden Spoon winning franchise. But it's not. It's 23. Cincinnati was expected to finish fifth this year, and they finished first. That's so we were expected to finish 14th, and we finished first. So, Matt, I mean, I've said this a million times, and I just want to reiterate because when you break down the rules in the way that you did, and I don't even think you're being biased in your argument. I mean, you are emotionally biased, right? But your arguments could be laid out by any prosecutor of the law in the United States of America, because I do think they're irrefutable. The way that you present them and the way that you argue your case, I agree with you that I think you're right in every single category. And I do think by the letter of the law here that we should have two out of four. Um, But let's go all the way back to the messy argument. Let's take it to every mm. argument you've laid out about all of our players, about Carnell no, and Berkey. Not. And we just got to remember a few things here. And that is that you're a details guy. And literally the rest of these people with a vote are more like that Miami reporter than Whoa. they are like you. You're in the minority and no one. 
I think almost no one is going to vote based on the exact criteria that MLS put out. And it, it is, like he said, it is going to be a popularity contest. Get and, mm-hmm. and get ready for that because MLS wants nothing better than to th- throw a grenade and just watch it explode because mm. that is what gets clicks and, and popularity and things like that. And so, you know, like they had to nominate Messi because then this happens, right? And he's going to win because the world is going to explode when he wins, right? Even, you know, and I don't even think they have to rig the, the competition because I do think that the people voting, it's like voting for student council in high school, guys. It's just going to be what everyone thinks is cool or hip or popular, anything they don't have to read into and figure out and do look at the data and look at who is the best of everything. They don't take the time to do that kind of stuff. They think, who do I know? Who do I think's good? I'm going to vote for that guy. I just want to prepare everyone for it. I'm not trying to hit on hurt anyone. Matt, I think you're right. And I think the world should operate more like the way you've laid it out here, but I just don't think anyone should expect that. No, you're, you're spot on in your uh, realistic approach to it do they uh do they announce just the winner or do they say who was first second and third oh i I thought it was just the winner i think it's just the winner okay just curious yeah we should i'm just interested in uh like if carnell doesn't win like how close was the final voting between him and the winner but we will i guess we will never find out I have been for better or for worse. I said it a second ago, but I, I have been encouraged by how many people have put Carnell on their ballot. Yeah, a, yeah, a me, me too, me too. So there's a chance for sure. Sasha Clutchin was one that put a lot of city players on yes. there. So, all right, I think we should call it there, guys. Uh, fingers crossed for the finalists. Um, no fingers crossed for City because I have a lot of faith in them winning this three-game series. I think it, it's it's going to be a fun one. And I'm excited for it. I'm so excited for playoffs and for the red out and all the things we talked about today. So keep tuning in, guys. After this game, I know Matt and Santiago are going to do uh, flyover fallout. I'm excited to hear that. I mean, it's it may not come out Monday. Are you guys going to do? I mean, we're not stopping a, a big the playoffs. As long as, as long as City plays, we're going to keep doing fallouts. We're going to keep doing flyovers on Thursday nights. Once we get into a true offseason for City, we'll probably drop it down to one pot a week and just cover whatever happens to be going on. But we're still going to be back recapping the day after for the stream. I would expect us to be streaming sometime Monday afternoon, maybe. I, I like that time. I like to run my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I got to talk to a lot of people the other day. Talk to um, Ashley, if you're listening still uh, today at the, the my kid's school thing. It was really encouraging running into people and hearing all your thoughtful um, comments about what the season's been this week, so or this year, rather. So thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Bye.